0: I'm Rolling to i in, in the next two gonna so. and the it's gonna be the cold and fucking gonna shit like that, God, i might even fucking need my micro spikes. But we'll wait on that. i um, you know, <laughs> we'll see. It is it is early spring, and time changes, actually, this weekend, which is pretty cool. Anyway, so these pack shakedowns, I was excited to get there to Mountain Crossings. And my ideal thing that was going to be, I wanted to eat a double-decker pizza while watching people get shakedowns. And it was just going to be like dinner and a movie. I was just going to be really, like, you know, snickering to myself as I watched all these people with all their dumbass shit. And, you know, thinking about how I commiserate over whether or not I should send my weed home and then seeing these people who have like eight pairs of clothes and their pack weights like 40 or 50 pounds and they're like really struggling. And honestly, I mean, you know, I would be too under that weight. Like if I had 20 extra pounds on top of everything I'm already carrying, that would really, really slow me down and really, really hurt me. But having what I have, I mean you know, we'll see. I, I could definitely sense, um, a possible evolution as I make my way down the trail, especially at trail days. Like the, there are all these vendors and stuff who come from all of the big, uh, manufacturers for, in the backpacking world, um, in the hiking world. And they, they, you know, pimp their wares and you can get new backpacks and all this kind of shit. And who knows, I might end up with a different pack at some point um, or something like that, some some way to shed more weight. I can't really think of what it would be at this point because, you know, my backpack, while it might weigh twice as much as a lighter weight option, that doesn't necessarily mean that my pack weight would considerably drop um, if I got just a new pack. So all that just to say we'll see how things evolve. Um, I'm open to improvements, especially as I continue to go fast and uh, long each day. Ladies take note. Mm. But anyway, so I had a, a slightly adulterated version of my hope. I was able to watch mini shakedowns, and I was definitely able to laugh to myself as I watched these people uh, go through their shit. I was just like, oh my god. Like, you know, I think one of the biggest game changers for me, uh, this go-round, is like, I didn't really have town clothes per se, but I did carry extra clothes so that I could, like, be in clean clothes at the end of the day, which is totally unnecessary. Um... Like, I haven't, again, I haven't showered since starting uh, on the 21st of February, and I don't really feel that gross. I mean, today's probably going to be a gross day. Uh, but I'll be curious to hear what my dad says about my smell, because he's like the most sensitive to it and gives me the most shit for it. Um, but I really don't think I smell worse than I normally do, which really says something, I and mean, I think that goes to clean living, uh, drinking a lot of water, and uh, yeah, you know, my general diet has been really good, uh, minus all the bullshit I ate yesterday. But I tried to keep it kind of um, on the healthier side of things. But, you know, uh, my appetite kind of gets away from me. And it starts to, I mean, it's a biological urge. And you can't really rein that in with any kind of logic or forethought. Uh, or at least it's very difficult to in the moment. You have those two uh, selves you have your active, experiencing self. And then you have, like, your. Uh, bullshit, qu- uh, quote-unquote, future self that you want the best for, but most of the time your experiences will win out because it's easier to uh, convince yourself of something <clears throat> um, in the moment that is indulgent uh, rather than to hold up your values and morals uh, as you um, navigate your way through temptation in life. But anyway... Okay. Hung out at anyway, we're gonna uh, we're gonna go feed
1: to that, that out, down, out a little bit. Cause cause you will Forgive me, awful. Kenneth. They did not. It um, is my friend uh, Kenneth. Uh, Kenneth Pereiro. Um, I've mentioned him before on the podcast. Uh, he's probably won the best listener award for the Dixon Chains podcast a few times. Um, somebody I. When I first heard of, I was so thrilled when he reached out. I think he was still a student, a college student in Georgia. And I thought, wow, I got somebody in a college in Georgia listening to me. And it it really, it really was a big deal. Uh, And he's been very supportive over these many years listening to the Dixon Janes podcast. I think he's probably one of the few people who's listened to uh, maybe all of the episodes. Don't know if he still is, but... um, he he he's been up there i had the pleasure to meet him in uh his home at that time now sold uh in a kind of a scary little part of atlanta i guess maybe all of atlanta is scary i don't know i just remember driving by this huge seemed like a prison compound and uh, anyway a delightful little house met his girlfriend at that time his partner and uh, spent the evening with him on my way back from florida uh, Seems several years ago. I am sitting in the road track now. And I wanted to um, talk a little bit about Kenneth. The reason I am is I know these past few podcasts, oh my God. This is just an old man going for a walk, sitting on a bench and, and reflecting on what he should be doing. That's me. Kenneth is sort of the opposite end, like he's a younger man Walking his way across America, here is, I've got a a page, and I'm going to read some of this stuff. Uh, The Book of Moron, that's M-O-R-O-N. Follow me as I make my way from Alabama to Maine and beyond. So he's got out, you can listen to him if you Google the Book of Moron, M-O-R-O-N. Uh, You'll find him on uh, Spotify and uh, iTunes and everywhere else. Easy to reach him. But I'm going to read a little bit about the uh, background. He's also on Instagram, and that would be under his real name, Kenneth and That's P-A-R-A-R-O. And you get pictures. The last one I saw (laughs) that kind of hooked me in, oddly enough, was a picture of his feet after... uh, a long day of walking, and uh, they looked pretty rough. And I think I listened to the podcast when he talked about I, I took a picture of my feet today. Uh, God damn, this man has taken on a lot of challenges, and, uh, and I have great admiration for him. And I think this is just what he is doing is truly, here's a man who has taken control of his life and just said, I'm going to do things that I want to do. And they mainly involve... A lot of challenges. So uh, I'm going to just read a little bit from um, a link that I have called A True Odyssey. In 2019, I hiked the Appalachian Trail northbound, that's Nobo. I knew that it would be an adventure that would recalibrate my life in unforeseeable ways, but even I was surprised at the journey's potency. I returned from the trail and proceeded to turn my life upside down. I got rid of practically all my belongings, sold my home, and hit the road. Since 2019, I've biked the Blue Ridge Parkway and Skyline Drive, hiked the Long Trail— Now, hikers and travelers would probably know where these places are. I don't, but you can Google them. Biked cross-country on the Trans-American bike route. Lived in a converted van traveling to almost every state in the lower 48. I remember that. I was following him at the time. Uh, 30,000 kilometers plus. uh, 30,000, sorry, they do miles. 30,000 plus miles in less than six months hiked from Key West to Okeechobee. (laughs) This is American, folks. Uh, Okeechobee, where my hiking partner Ali and I decided to switch to bikes in order to finish the Florida Trail. And finally, I have biked half of the southern tier from eastern Texas to San Diego. I've been podcasting for over a decade. All my adventures have been documented this way, along with other shows that were less focused on human-powered adventure, and can all be found here. And he gives a link, so if I'll, I'm going to give you the link. It's a bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, backslash K-P-O-N-T-H-E-A-T, K-P-O-N-T-H-E-A-T, K-P-O-N-T-H-E-A-T. K-P-O-N-T-H-E-A-T. All right. Now it's time for a new solo adventure. The enormity of this endeavor is so great that I honestly am not sure I'll be able to successfully complete it. There are so many unknowns, and while I've been lucky enough to have safe passage for all of my treks in the past, I am not so naive to believe that this is a predictor of future success. Undaunted by, my, by the unknowns, I will soon be heading out and heading north once more. And now he is already heading north. So this was written before he left. And here is the plan for 2022. So folks, listen up. If you have a plan for 2022, here is Kenneth's plan. Starting in late February, he has started, I will hike the Pinhoti Trail north to where it intersects with the Benton McKay. These again, well known trails if you happen to know about well known trails. From that intersection I will road walk to Amicalola, Amicalola, forgive my pronunciation, Amicalola Falls State Park, in order to register my through hike, and then we'll head north to do the approach trail. Can't miss out on those stairs, y'all. Upon arriving in Katadin, 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 again, I don't know the pronunciation, all unfamiliar to me. I will continue north in order to tag the Canadian border, and then we'll turn around to begin a southbound, Sobo, hike of the Appalachian Trail. Who's done the northbound, now he's going to do the southbound. This will be the beginning of my, I'm not sure what this is, my A.T. Yo-Yo, A.T., at... It's capital letters, E-T, by At-Yo-Yo. All things remaining equal, if I arrive back at Springer Mountain, Spring, <laughs> Google this stuff, folks, full of vigor and verve, I will continue south, retracing my earlier steps. I will take the At-E-T, Appalachian Trail, I guess, maybe, hmm? to the Benton-McKay, yeah, I suppose so, and then on to the Pinhoti. From the Penhote, I will connect to the Alabama Roadwalk, which will drop me off at the northern terminus of the Florida Trail. I will continue south from there until reaching the southernmost point in Key West. Now, I drove that to get the southernmost point. Here's a guy who's kind of walking this thing. He might bike some of it. I'm not sure. Now, if I was crazy as I hope I am, this is Kenneth still, My next plan is to have my bike shipped to me so that I can bike north from Key West. Okay, he walks Key West, gets his bike, and then will bike north from Key West in order to intersect the eastern section of the southern tier and then head west. In doing this, I will go through Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and then Texas. Oh, my God! I I mean, I read this, and I am—no, this is not humanly possible. I I am exhausted. and like— This is what this man is doing with his life. He's just taking charge and said, I'm going to do these things. Now, he's free to stop at any point along the way and say, whoa, it was a great idea, but uh, something came up. I changed my mind or whatever. You know, who knows how life, the the twists and turns of life. Kenneth certainly does. Um, Okay, sorry. (laughs) From there, I will bike north towards Colorado, in order to visit friends and family. After that, I plan to bike back east on the Trans-American bike route through Kansas, Missouri, Kentucky, and finally Virginia. From there, I will jump on Skyline Drive, take it down to the Blue Ridge Parkway, and then finish my journey at its southern terminus in Cherokee, North Carolina. And he ends with, Wow! It's kind of exhausting just writing all that down. So wish me luck. Well, Kenneth, I I, I wish you luck, but I salute you. I salute you, my friend, for just the ch- to, to have a dream to start with, I mean, some people don't even dream, to have a dream, a vision, to have actually thought it out, to have actually have the practical skills to, I mean, you've done so much already in terms of the walking, the biking, the, the the hiking, and to come up with this great broader vision. I mean, holy shit, from Alabama to Maine and beyond, holy shit. So there you go, and I just felt, after all the... Tedious, silly, inconsequential crap that I have been posting for the past several weeks. Um, that I should share something <laughs> that somebody else in the real world out there is doing, and uh, so here we are. This is uh, Kenneth Peril. So I, I encourage anybody to uh, tune in once in a while. Just listen to a couple. I just I did, and they were enjoyable. Just hearing him. Well, at the end of the day, taking his boots off or whatever, and just reflecting what he's going to have for dinner that night, what what it was like. I mean, listening to him walk in the rain with trucks passing along a road. My God, I mean, challenges, folks. Ah, so now on to me, I suppose. I should probably just stop there and call it a segment. I'm sitting in the road trek. I've just uh, I've rescued. As my wife is cleaning out the living room, but Saturday is cleaning day, and I I try to get myself in some other place. I, I I cannot handle the sound of the vacuum cleaner. I just I just can't handle it. It just does something to my head. Anyway, I you may remember at Christmas. I guess I couldn't think of anything to get her, and I saw this big teddy bear where food got donated. It's got a big red sash and it says 2021 on it. Uh, that she never wanted, and uh, so when she was cleaning today and wondering where to put this damn thing in the living room, you know, behind a couch somewhere, I said, you know, I could put that the road track, and she basically just tossed it to me, so I now have a new, uh, a new visit, see, see what I mean by inconsequentials, I'm talking about a stuffed teddy bear I have in my road track, (laughs) but hey, hey, come on, come on. I'm 73. I'm uh, I'm done. I can barely walk as it is. So, but I do take delight in uh, sharing somebody else's adventures. Anyway, here I am in the road trek, and and uh, it is Saturday. We had another snowfall. <sighs> the winter is not over yet. And um, what are we going to do about that? Yeah, stuff. I'm going to get back to you a little later on. I've I've I had abandoned, as you know, the idea of trying to organize a class. Now it seems like I, I talked it over with my younger son, who's a good sounding board, because he'll just he'll just he he won't hold back for politeness. He'll just get dad. That's a crazy idea, dad. What the hell do you want to do that for, dad? Why don't you do it on the internet? Nobody talks in person anymore, you know. So I get good feedback, and so I have shelved. The idea that I I went on about at length for, I guess, the past few weeks about trying to hold a class at the community centre, I just don't fully understand what that was about. And I don't think it necessarily represented the best side of me. I was wanting to think I'm doing something for the community, but clearly it was something for me. And, uh, that's been shelved. And then yesterday I got the brilliant idea. Oh, guess what I'll do instead. I'm going to offer a course. I'm going to do a course from the beats to the Beatles that I always wanted to do at Centennial College. Uh, you know, as, as a lecture, I wanted them to support it and actually give a class, uh, on these two movements, the beats and the Beatles and the impact they made, they had on our culture and how they're connected. And, and, I certainly, I have the information. I would have to do all the, I'd have to go into my books and do the research and actually make a course. And I know I could do that. And I talked about that and that, and of course, Daniel's answer was, well, nobody's going to come to that. Nobody's interested. You never, how are you going to find enough people in Scarborough who want to hear this shit? You know, you find it interesting. Not everybody else does. And of course he was right. Uh, So he said, if you want to do that, do it online, you know, put it up on YouTube, then it'll work. So I could do that, but I'm thinking, I'm not getting the same return. I don't want to do it on YouTube. I don't want to, you know, there's other people who will know more and will criticize it. You know, I just want to talk to people who are ill-informed about beat history and uh, talk about it, because it is the 100th anniversary of Kerouac's birth today. It is March the 12th. And Kerouac was born a hundred years ago today. So there, that's uh, that's my little bit for this podcast. Um, And maybe what Kenneth is doing is something along the lines of the adventure, uh, of a Kerouac-style adventure, like, you know, doing, getting out there and, and hitting the road and facing challenges and, you know, eating out a tin can. So not quite, but still. <sighs> Anyway, so I then went on to, okay, well, if you're not going to do that, how about, gosh, the library, the library, I look at the library in Toronto, they do courses on all kinds of stuff. They do book studies, they do everything. Go to the library and tell them, hey, I've got an idea for a talk. I'd like to do a talk on the Beats and the uh, the Beatles. And that was yesterday and by today, I'm thinking, no, I don't want to do all the work. So, folks, I'm done with that. Here's the final answer. Final answer. I found a solution. I went online. I looked, at I looked at what's being offered, City of Toronto. Here it is for the over 60 crowd, I believe, you know, older senior or seniors or older seniors, whatever the category is, a free creative writing course. I registered right away. Saw that. Okay, that's it. Bam. Done. Solve the problem. So there is an answer, folks. I did reach a point of decision. After all this back and forth and this and that, I registered for a creative writing course at a community center northwest of me here in Scarborough, and I will start that in April. And that turns out it's going to be the most practical and best decision I could have made. So you do arrive at decisions eventually, but sometimes it's a rocky road getting there, as Kenneth well knows. Scarborough dude Signing off. Bye for now. Happy birthday, Jack!
2: Kerouac. Kerouac. Yeah. Kerouac. Kerouac. His words. The words. words. So many words. Just all brothers of the same horn. close to the drummer. It's like a mirror. You're invisible. Like you're in a backseat. No handles on the doors. Just a beautiful driver up front. She knows where she's going. Kerouac. The observation machine. Caressing the most and with photographic love, passionate, photographic love, vulnerable as any window. His memories pull shades up and down. Doors are not on. telegrams arrive. Every morning, something extra is remembering everything like a snatch of melody, a drum beam. Remember. <laughs> slow motion
1: landscape. Yeah, it was a nice one I don't think I've used the bell for uh, for a while it's discover dude back at bluffers park it is a Monday March the 14th is that the Ides of March? No, that's tomorrow, I guess. It was Kerouac's birthday on the 12th, I guess we talked about that. Uh, yeah, just an errand day, I um, had to have something printed off at Staples. It's quite a drive. Eighteen minutes or so to uh, along Eglinton to get to it, just because I do not buy ink for my printer. And, uh, what else... You no, know, I gotta go get hamburger buns if we're gonna have hamburgers tonight. No big deal. I've got to get to the post office and mail off this letter, and uh, that's about it. Did a few other things. I've been watching um, Formula One on Netflix because the twenty twenty one season is out now, and uh, this one was really interesting. Uh, the, the team, the gosh, I'm probably gonna get it wrong. Han, H A A N? I don't think it's H A A Z. Anyway, um, I, I like the manager. Don't know if he's the GM. I, I don't know. He's just the guy. And you've seen him through all this series. Um, wonderful character, the sense of humor, often laughing. But this is the team that had the worst, you know, the worst, it's at the bottom of the rung. And in 2021, they got two rookie drivers. Well, that's never happens, you know, in F1. Uh, And it happened to be the son of um, of the driver I never liked. Uh, What's his name? You know, uh, the German guy. (laughs) Oh, my God. What a mess already. You know, uh, coming up with what, Gertrude? No, no. The guy who won seven Formula Ones championships. Oh, I didn't like him. Anyway, his son, okay. <laughs> so his son is one of the drivers. Uh, and they didn't have sponsorship money. And so they got an oligarch in Russia, who, I guess, owner of the largest in the World Fertilizer Firm or something like that, uh, to sponsor them. And of course, the uh, sponsor, the father who gave them all his money, one of the conditions was, well, my son is going to be racing for your team, and that is uh, Nikita Mazepin, and he's been a disaster. Like, he's come up through, you know, he's done the Formula 1, for, or Formula 2 and 3 and carts and everything else. Father would have funded all of that. But he's not been a good driver. And he's just done nothing but complain and believes that um, it's not Heineken. It's a German name. <laughs> Sorry, I know it's not funny to you, but it is funny to me that I would. I mean, I even picture him. I just saw him today. Uh, it'll come to me. But anyway... Um, gosh, Uh, he's blaming and saying, well, he got the better car. Mine's not working properly. And like, you don't do that, you know? And so the father actually gave, it's on camera like this. These are wonderful behind the scenes. It's not when you watch the F1, uh, series on Netflix, it's not about rewatching the race. You only get bits and pieces of the race, but it's all the the behind-the-scenes. And one of the scenes was this guy, Mazepin, the father, who's bankrolling the Haas, H-A-A-S, racing team, um, said, if you don't switch cars and give my son the better car, the better chassis, um, then um, I'm pulling out all the money. I'm writing a formal letter, and I'm withdrawing my sponsorship. Basically, that's what they did. Now, you know, holy shit, you fucker. Anyway, of course, anybody who follows the news knows that uh, after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, they canceled the sponsorship. Anyway, we said, we don't want you and we don't want your son either. And so I don't know what Haas is going to do this, this, uh, this year. But it's going to be interesting. The races start next week and I don't have access to it through the damn group of channels I have on um, my Rogers contract. And it's, you know, I can get sports channels if I want to pay another $20 a month. Fuck, no, I don't want to pay 20 I want one channel that covers the F1. I don't care about anything else. So i got to follow that up because I really don't want to miss the races. It's great fun on the weekend just to get up and see, watch the Formula One unfold. Um, so... Schumacher. <laughs> Schumacher. <laughs> you were already shouting it out to me. I didn't hear you. It just, you know, when you stop thinking, it's the old trick. When you're old, don't try and think about it. It's just going to come. It's there. You haven't lost it. It's just, you know, the filing system is out of order. There's cards all over the floor. It's a mess, you know. Schumacher. Couldn't tell you the son's name, but uh, anyway. Other than Schumacher. Uh, So where were we? Netflix. And I'm also watching Fargo. I'm on to season three now. There are only three seasons. At first, I was having trouble getting into it. Like, I didn't get the start. I couldn't get any connection. You know, it didn't seem to follow anything I knew from the first two seasons. Like, completely different story, different time, of course. Uh, but I, it, it slowly, you know, yeah. Okay. I'm into it now. So I've only got two episodes left. Um, the thing it's, it's a dark humor. I mean, there's always a lot of killing and there's a lot of, I mean, the villains are, you know, as bad as any James Bond villain, maybe worse because they're more credible. They're real. Uh, so there's a real ugliness to it, but somehow it's balanced off with, the the, just the creativity of the writers and how good the actors are and again it comes back to the thing I keep circling around and coming back to I have so much hope for mankind because of the artists the writers the directors the actors the script writers the costumers all the people involved in making film the fact that so many people are Devoting their lives to creative endeavors. Oh my God, this is what humans are capable of. And, and the same goes for scientists, you know, who are studying. Not the scientists who are doing cruel experiments with chimpanzees in cages. No, no, no. <laughs> or even, you know, the rat psychologist. I'm sorry, no offense to uh, people who grew up with that. It's their background, their training anything cruel. And that gets me to my next topic. While I was channel flicking last night, here, I just, I'll just i finish that off. The films are dark, but they're not dark forces behind the film. It, you know there are creative people wanting to tell interesting stories. So the darkness is lifted by the creativity of everybody involved in putting out these series. Okay, so now, meanwhile, I flick channels, and they're showing years, uh, the year of living dangerously. And I I had seen it before, Mel Gibson, and uh, a lot of killing in Indonesia. It's a disturbing story, you know. Um, You're kind of on the edge of your seat, just the same way when I watch Fargo. I am just, you know, I am on the edge of my seat, like, oh, my God, you got to get out of this. Oh, my God, no, no. You know, you're really, you're into it. But I made the mistake, maybe maybe it was a mistake, of Googling, okay, tell me more about, what, what was the background here in Indonesia in 1965? And it was the most... Horrific story. I don't know how I missed it except I was still in high school, you know Dylan was out then and I'm you know, listening to the Beatles and my life is really contained within my circle of friends in the Sheen. And I'm not thinking too much about the, the wider world out there. Yeah, Vietnam is on in the background on your TV even you know that's horrible. But this was kind of hushed up, the horror that went on in Indonesia. Uh, against the communists to to wipe them out. And the most horrible part about it is with the support of the Americans and the British who didn't want co- co- communism in Southeast Asia. I mean, that was behind the Vietnam War, and it was the story here. They were actually very popular in Indonesia. And uh, the poorer people liked them, thought this was a fair deal. They seemed more honest. They, they They were voted in. They kept their promises. And it was decided, no, this is not good for the region as a whole. And there was a turnaround. And next thing you know, the communists are the enemy. The Muslims didn't like them because they were, you know, they were against religion. They were communists. And um, they turned around and slaughtered people. And it was all across Indonesia and on the Bali and other islands. And the estimates are at least a million killed, maybe up to two million. And these are these are people who were slaughtered, like usually by hand, by, by gunshot execution. Horrendous torture. I won't go any further than that. I, I read more than I should have, and, it, and it, it's still upsetting me today, I, that the degree of hatred and of intentionally making people suffer, and this is against women and children and families, uh, innocent people, anybody suspected of being a communist, anybody because they were Chinese or whatever, they were slaughtered. Brutally slaughtered in the streets. Blood was flowing. And I think, well, that's, you know, that's not that long ago. This is 1965, 66, it ended, I guess. And they kept it secret for 30 years. They just, you know, nobody was allowed to tell. People were, they killed people who knew about things, just the way Stalin killed people who starved the Ukrainians during the 30s. So that it wouldn't live on, and yet these things live on, and it just—you—you—you you, you feel sick. You feel pain. You feel a deep sadness. You just—you feel a hopelessness. This thing you feel, I feel. When you read about this, you think, "How is it? How is it going to get better? How? How?" If this is so recent, this isn't, we're not talking about primitive ape-man, you know, we're talking about modern human history of hatred and killing and torture that goes on. And now, of course we're all living through bombs raining down on the Ukraine because this asshole, this fucking cock sucking asshole. Putin wants a great Russian empire again at any cost. And these people are, you know, I mean, two million maybe have left already. Have had to flee and have gone to other European countries. They're they're refugees now. And you think is, isn't there some way of stopping him? Isn't there a way of just taking him out? Isn't there a drone somewhere that could get into Russian airspace and just fucking aim? Sorry, well, well, whole house went, but uh, we know Putin was inside, and now he's just nothing but mashed potatoes. <sighs> It's just so needless, except people feel there's a need to kill, to take power, to control, to instill fear. I don't know, I mean, I know this is probably not pleasant to listen to, but... but, It's what's going on in my life. Um, you're going to hear, after this, you're going to hear a, a little quote, actually a few minutes, maybe six or seven minutes, from uh, Kenneth again. Kenneth Pereiro, who I mentioned at the start of this podcast. Um, I decided, after listening to the one, pass, i got to go back and listen to his, his trail. And I, I'm kind of enjoying listening. Sometimes the 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 20 minutes of his recording as he's doing this hike. And it's, you know, it comes down to food and bowel movements a lot of the time. But his reflections, and I'm getting to know him better and better and know why I like him, and I like his style. And I realized there's a great similarity between him and myself. And there was a point when, by chance, I mean, I'm listening. I'm going back to day 13 on this trail. I think he's still on the Pinotti Trail at that time. Uh, Pinotti, yeah. And... I hear my name come up. Oh, gosh, he's talking about me. So, sorry, but I'm going to share that with you because it sort of strengthens this connection. And he's, he mentioned something about he sometimes wished I would go a little further. And maybe that's when it comes down to family stuff because he does mention that, that there are times when I do hold back. But partly why I'm talking about what I'm feeling now and, and is trying not to hold back. Trying to be open and honest. So, is there any bright news? I made a note last week that my, it's not my vision, vision, not seeing, but understanding. It's just not as clear as it should be. And my son mentioned something about, you know, was tempted to maybe get some LSD for me uh, because it seems to be available. No, mushrooms, because they're available all over Vancouver. They're put into capsules or whatever, but they're just, you know, they're, they they seem to be selling them openly all over Vancouver. And I, said, and I said, oh, yeah, put me down. And then I thought, gee, maybe some micro dosing, as our, our good friend Adam Greatrix has been experimenting with, would be a good thing to... You know, shift the alignment or something, maybe to bring about some clarity, maybe just to change gears. I talk about fine-tuning, which I sometimes get when I smoke pot, but something else, just to, to, just to get a, a, a better perspective, like I, I don't think I'm fully appreciative. Of how wonderful my life is now. And I know if you listen to this. I talk about my leg. Can't walk. Couldn't climb over here. And it may sound like. Well it doesn't sound like a happy time. But it is. And I've just got so much comfort. And security. A family. A house to live in. Vehicles. Three vehicles to choose from. My God. Enough financial security, at least for now. But I, I, I somehow feel like should there should be a, a clearing, an opening, like whoa, open the door wider, whoa, 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 bing, 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 bing. Look what you've got! You've got everything, and be more shining with joy. You know, like just fully, fully grateful. I can say I'm grateful. But to feel the blessedness, to feel the holiness, to feel the greatness, kind of seem to be missing that mark. So anyway, stay tuned. I'll try a little harder. Um, I guess that's it. There was one thing. There was somebody called... And I, I can't pronounce it, but it looks like Thich, Nang, Thich, Nhat Hanh, Thich Nhat Hanh. And maybe it's Thich Nhat Hanh. No, I, no a Vietnamese name anyway. Thich Nhat Hanh. D H I C K N H A T H A N H, and which a lot of people know as a Zen master, Vietnamese Tien Buddhist monk, a peace activist, a prolific author, many many books, a poet, a teacher. And also known as the Father of Mindfulness. Now, I think he died recently, and I've been following, getting his quotes coming up almost daily, and they're all interesting, and I share the ones that I can on uh, Twitter, and I'll share one with you now to um, to maybe end this segment. Yes, 20 minutes. Uh, it reads... Compassion is always born of understanding, and understanding is the result of looking deeply. So there you go. I'll leave that with you, and I'll be back uh, later on in the week to finish off this podcast. Scarborough Dude signing up from Bluffers Park.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, this is like a very brief one. Oh, fuck the fucking hell. Damn it. Can I undo that? Goddamn, bitch. Fucking shit. Um, well, this is just like, one of my favorite Japanese words that I still remember is, uh, it's called, uh, fucking, god damn it, uh, kikokusuru, which means to go back to your home country. Uh, it was like a vocabulary word when I was at the exchange school in Japan. But it was also relevant because uh, all of us did eventually kikoku Suru. And I just always thought that was a cool word. Uh, yeah, to return to your home country. Um, yeah, my mom, uh, she's been somewhat listening to um, my podcast, I guess. Um, and she was saying that some of it was, like, cringy, And I don't think she's listened to any more than Allie has, so both of you guys need to fucking pick it up a little bit. But anyway, (laughs) um, yeah, my mom was saying it was like cringy to listen to. And I was like, well, I don't know what you mean by that. Since you're uh, like in your 60s, I'm not sure what cringy means to someone like, you know, when when someone who is outside of the uh, age group of a specific vernacular that is used to describe things that uh, chronologically, contextually mean a very specific thing. I'm not sure what she means when she says cringy, but I'm imagining that she just means like, that I'm like being so honest that it's kind of weird for her to hear it as like a mother of a son or maybe as a elder of a younger. But I just feel like, uh, a fully examined and realized life is going to be cringy, because, you know, you're exposing your, your fragility, your vulnerability, and your flaws, and you're sort of embracing all of that, and uh, your contradictions especially. Like, you know, obviously, if you've listened to uh, the pre-Pinhoti clips, and then these clips as well, it should be pretty obvious that I'm not the most consistent person. I, I, I think I try harder than most to, to stick to my word. And if I say something, it's like what I'm actually going to do. But in general, most people for sure cannot escape the fact that, uh, our lives are like inherently contradictory. Like, you know, you want to do something, but your urges and your instincts and your desires sort of contradict that notion. So, you know, uh, being a, uh, skin bag of, um, weak, biological mechanisms. Like, you really can't escape that. And so, I don't know. It was kind of a compliment. It was sort of not even a backhanded compliment. It was just like, well, if my mom thinks that this is cringy, then I really must be doing some good work. So, thanks, Mom. You always make me lol. An authentic life is cringy. Awareness of your fragility, flaws, and contradictions gives insight as much as it does grimaces. Yeah, Uh, Which, okay, so that kind of ties into this note. Shout out to Ken Bull, if he's listening. Kind of doubt he might be. But yeah, Ken Bull, the uh, proprietor of Dixon Janes. Like the reason I love that podcast, which I highly recommend anyone listening to this to go listen to that, because he's really inspired me stylistically. But long ago, when I first found his show, I realized that the thing I liked about him was that he was just kind of putting it all out there. And again, there were things that I wish he would go deeper into, but I understand why he doesn't, because he respects the privacy of other people, and, you know, I get that, I do that too, to varying degrees, but, um, he was just someone who would, like, talk about taking a dump, taking a shit, and, uh, you know, he would be, like, unapologetic about it. It's like, I, I think that there's something to be said about the fact that, like, you know, he, this, the hero worship culture that we have, where we revere people, um, for achieving some sort of a status that is uh beyond what any human can actually achieve is very false and very misleading and very disappointing. Like, you know, Martin Luther King was a womanizer. Mahatma Gandhi slept with um uh, underaged girls. Uh Mother Teresa was like a fucking cunt who like uh was more interested in her pocketbook than helping the poor. The Pope, like you know, it's endless, like, you know, no one is actually a saint, because everyone's a person, and people are people, and that's the biggest, like, uh, f- drawback, flaw, and on the other side of the coin, it's, like, the the greatest strength and everything, like, we're, we're, like, 100% demon and 100% angel, it's just, like, you know, <sighs> Ken Bull, <laughs> He he just, he, he is as honest as a person can be, without betraying every single person who trusts him. And I endeavor to do the same thing. I want to be. I want to say my piece, uh, and I want to feel good about it. And I don't want to uh, out anyone who doesn't want to be outed. But I'm out. I'm out as a person. I'm. I'm out here. I'm out there. Uh, I'm saying my piece, and I really think that if you don't like it, you can go fuck yourself. Um, no one is telling you that you have to listen to what I have to say, and um, you know, I'm only trying to enrich uh, and inform. And if my methodology of doing that is uh, distasteful or displeasureful, then fucking leave. <laughs> Um, uh, which is a, is a message that Ken Bull from Dixon Janes often, uh, has echoed as well. And so, you know, again, that's, uh, uh, imitation is the highest form of flattery. And so, yeah, you know, I just feel like I don't care at all if I was kind of fantasizing earlier today, if I ever do get like a huge signal boost, like, um, from being on the Trex podcast, being on Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan being a very possibility. Yeah,
1: checking in from Thompson Thompson Park on a foggy day. We had snow yesterday, and it's kind of melted, and uh, everything's gray and slushy. Oh, my God. I was having my, uh, it wasn't my first, maybe my second or third afternoon nap. And uh, with Yuki, and just started to really feel guilty. Hey, man, you can't do this. You're not that old, you know. You're not You're not sick and dying. Get the fuck up and get out. So, um, drove my car, and I just didn't feel up to walking at all. Like, uh, no energy. And I thought, Is this post-COVID, like I've lost all my energy? What, what's going on here? Uh, but packed the walking poles, and when I got here, I knew I'd feel shitty if I didn't get up. And ended up taking a walk much longer than I planned. I was just going to do one circle of the park. And I just kept going and all the way over to the dog park. Walked through some very nasty mud and wet snow and slush. And uh, just about lost it a couple of times. But the poles, they help. You know, grab your balance. Because there's that, that shaky, frightening feeling. I'm going down! And you just sort of manage to put the brakes on. But uh, anyway, that's done. And I feel better for it. I've only got a few minutes left to finish this podcast. I'm going to start. I'm going to jump in here and give a live shout out. This is live, coming to you now, Thompson Park. Shout out to Kenneth, that man who is walking the uh, Appalachian Trail all the way to Maine, if he makes it. Sounds like he will. Uh, Kenneth, personal message. I'm glad you stayed the extra day with your folks. I think that was a good thing to do. I think you knew it even though you, you, know, you balked a little bit. Uh, the walk I took today, uh, that would have been a short restocking walk around the local uh, Walmart for Kenneth. Like this guy is barreling down that trail making 20, 30 miles a day sometimes. Holy fuck. But uh, anyway, Kenneth, I like you. I'm glad our paths have crossed. I'm actually really glad I actually got to meet you in real life at your home at that time. And uh, you're one of the weird ones. You're one of the uh, the individuals, the unique beings on the planet. And those are the people I kind of get drawn to, the oddballs. And I know you'll take that as a compliment, so I have no, uh, no risk in saying that. It's the boring people who, uh, well, would never have found me or tuned into this show, I, I sometimes apologize for how boring this is, but in fact it's not a boring podcast at all, it's just if I have boring listeners who are looking for excitement, you're not going to find it here. <laughs> you got to be on my wavelength too, and I know you are, and uh, I'm just tuning into yours, and I've really been enjoying following you along that trail, and uh, your odd comments and the things you say and think about and reflect on, it's another life, completely different from mine. But that's the fun part, you know, we can be different and special in our own way, but not special like special snowflakes, just uh, real people out there, just getting through life as best we can. I was going to go on, I did a little search today, now I'm talking to everybody, not just Kenneth anymore, and um, did a little digging around about... ADHD or ADD for adults uh, at my son's recommendation and holy fuck I went through the checklist and wow does that ever explain a lot and um, it would take more time than I've got left to read through them and I think I'm going to do a separate podcast talking about this because it's really it really did explain so much about my life like oh my god that's why you know, I'm always blaming Mr. Rogers for just getting that G in elementary school and like, why if I could get A's and A pluses in university that I just barely scrape through school? Well, it was the A D D back then, folks. Unability to do unability, I don't think that's a word. Um and so here I'll just read the headlines maybe. Trouble concentrating and staying focused, disorganization and forgetfulness, impulsivity And emotional difficulties, that's the one I found most interesting. Uh, Being easily flustered and stressed out. And like, I I can lose it. You know, I get a a knot in my shoe and I know the rational thing, calm down, look at it carefully. Think of how you're going to untie that and instead I'll just scream at it, yell at it, curse it, pull harder and make the knot tighter. Uh, And that's, you know, the best example. Um, anyway, it's not something I'm happy about, but I realize, okay, the thing is, one of the uh, things I'm ending with, blame the ADHD, not yourself. And that was a real game changer for me. Um, ADHD, they think it's likely caused by, here I go, I'm talking about what I just told you I'm not going to talk about in this show, but let me just put this in. Uh, they think it's caused by a combination of genes, environment and slight differences in how the brain is hardwired. And I have so often used that expression on this podcast, how my brain is hardwired <laughs> as a reason for my behavior. Well, here it is, you know, in print. It's essentially a chemical problem in the management systems of the brain. All right, stop. Put that away. Put that away. Come back to it later. Um, what did I want to fill up the rest of the time with? I was pretty sure I had a theme. Um, I guess talking about hardwiring, there is a thing about an attraction to... Well, sometimes it's the opposite sex, sometimes it's the same sex. Whatever it is, the attraction to whoever it is you're attracted to. With me, it happens to be women. And it's just so weird. I mean, here I am going on 74... And it's not that I'm wanting or needing to have sex with that person or something, but it's just you can see somebody, a certain shape, could be cleavage, could be a nice ass, could be whatever, just the way of the walk, it could be a skirt, it could be, you know, and it could be uh, print, could be, uh, you know, I'm not talking about even, I'm not talking about porn here, okay? I'm talking about just the biological attraction, in my case, to to women, and uh, you know, in your case, whatever it is, doesn't matter. It's just there. That's part of the hard wiring, and it's just so. It just seems so incredible that it doesn't go away. Like it, it serves a biological purpose to be attracted to something else, to want something. Um, and when you're younger, I guess it's not just want; it's need. Uh, and I think back to, gosh, the women I wasn't att- have been attracted to in the various relationships. Anyway, 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 I don't know why I'm going on about that. Um, oh, I know. Because it led me to, uh-oh, uh-oh. If that's hardwired into us, is it possible that for some people they're also just attracted to war, to violence, to physical intimidation? To hate, to religious fanaticism—it just—it satisfies a need. It's a need they have to fill. The people who just—you know—I mean, what does it take for a man to have a machete and hack another man to death in the street because he said something about the Prophet Muhammad? Peace be upon him. Peace be upon him. Don't want anybody. I'm in a parking lot and the windows are open. Holy fuck! I could have had a knife through the throat just then and there. Anyway, we didn't want to, We don't want to go there. But it's just that if you know, if if you're saying some of these things are, I can't help it. It's just the way I am. Does that give people the excuse for the horrific things that they might do? It's something I don't understand, uh, and it's it's bothersome. How how do we program that out of us? You know, or do we just become, you know, is it just take drugs and then you don't even have the sexual attraction? You don't have anything? You're just sort of a programmed zombie? Is that the future of the human race? Or do we have to somehow convert those energies, those needs into some other form? And again, 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 the point I will continually circle back to wow, the creativity, the people who produce books, movies, You know, paintings, the artists, the people who just have to, they have a need, they have to fulfill. They have to do this thing. And my God, how blessed we are, how fortunate that so many people do manage to get their work out there, that we have whole industries devoted to cinema and literature. And art that we have museums that we have, I mean it's clearly clearly, clearly such an important part from those early caveman wall paintings you know it's it's it is part of us, and if just we can channel more things that way and away, but what do you do? How do you erase the pain how do you how do you deal with the person who's grown up hungry who's been abused by his father or mother or just you know somebody and and just has scars that just won't heal and and has to let a lot out how do we how do we spread more love and kindness you know well, you got to overthrow the political system we got right now. I'm sorry, I say the political system, the economic system maybe yeah you just these these extremes. Of wealth and poverty, and you can be damn sure if you're growing up in poverty, you're gonna you're gonna grow up a little bit angry. I go back to that film if you haven't seen it, and probably you won't see it. Anybody that I know listening to this, but uh, it was really well done. The film Scarborough. Here's my final plug, boys uh, and girls. It's always been nice, and I realize that probably the shape of this Dixon Jane's podcast that I have and uh, the nature of this whole thing and and why it seems to wander all over the place and I jump around from here to there and I compulsively have to put it out every week is probably related to my ADD but we'll get back to that in another episode when I have more time maybe the next one maybe it'll be a special episode maybe it'll bit just be maybe it'll be no it'll be the 8888 8-8-8-8-8. 8888 88838 limit it to 388 888 Infinity, all the way. That's what we're going for in the next podcast. So stay tuned, Scarborough dude. I'd like to say I love you, but uh, yeah, I don't know all of you. Those of you I do, I'd give you a big hug. I'd, I'd hug anybody right now. I'm really in the mood for hugs. Um, head away, heads turned away, like facing other directions, you know, in case you cough or breathe or something. But uh, still, a hug. But uh, all right, I'll settle for a fist bump. Scarborough dude. Signing off from Bluffers Park. Bye for now. This might come out early. Don't worry about it. Bye for now.